name is Alyssa. And I'm Tony. And we are the Sultry Sisters. We're a community-based organization that empowers women to live healthy and creative lives in North County, San Diego, and recently DC. We curate events, workshops, mixers, and meetups centered around women's arts, wellness, and sisterhood. Our mission is to empower women to live vibrant and shine bright through creative expression and conscious holistic living. Our vision is to create a safe space that provides women the arts and wellness resources that are affordable and accessible. So far, we've partnered with Dancing So Boutique, Village Rock Shop, Carlsbad Village Yoga Co-op, and nonprofit organization, Leap to Success. To find out more information about us and to sign up for our future events, visit SultrySisters.com. You can also find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Sultry Sisters. We hope, hope to see you soon. Hey, Sultry fam. Happy Sunday and welcome to our Sultry Hangout series where we're doing our book club series. Yes, we're really excited. This is part three of the book club series. So week one, um, at the beginning of June, we just talked about what the book is, why we're reading it, um, and then like what boundaries are. And then last week, we talked about the different types of boundaries that Nidra goes over in the book. So there's six types of boundaries. So if you missed that, you can catch the replay by joining our sanctuary. Um, and then today, week three, we we're talking about how to communicate boundaries. So this is a lot as well so we're hoping to get through as much as we can but again if we don't get through anything we'll just continue into the next session yes. so we just want to always start our hangout by sharing some celebrations and also sharing what we're drinking on and where we're tuning in from so um i just want to celebrate the fact that we had our first um our first trailer before our live so if you are tuning in or you're catching the replay let us know if you liked it um and we we might continue that also um my name is Alyssa. i'm one of the co-founders of sultry sisters and i am sipping on some guava juice my newest summer fave and i'm tuning in from san diego Yes, um, I'm Tony, co-founder of Sultry Sisters. I'm drinking Agua H2O, um, and I'm tuning in from D.C., so actually since today is the 4th of July holiday, I didn't realize there's going to be so much um, <laughs> traffic, and there's like fireworks, if you guys hear popping, that's fireworks, because my apartment actually has a really great view of the show, and then those traffic, so that's why we're a little bit later. But here we are. <laughs> no worries. This show must go on. Um, I actually worked today, um, so um, there was a there was a little bit of act more activity on a Sunday morning for me too, as well. So, cheers to being home <laughs> and our comfortable home. So, if you're tuning in, let us know if you've read the book. If you're a first time reader, we'd like to know in the chat. And then one of the quotes that we are carrying with us throughout this book club series is the route to self-care is setting boundaries by Nidra Glover Tawab. Um, it's one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring this book specifically to our soul tree community, because we are all about all things soul care. Yes. Um, and what's, yeah. So again, we're reading set boundaries, find peace. Um, by Nidra Glover Tawab, and it's just so good. I have all these tabs on the side and everything. Um, but each week when we go over the book, it's just a nice reminder of like why boundaries are good, some of the ways to like improve boundaries and like the different types of relationships that we have. Um, and I like that each chapter has exercises. So like journaling, reflection prompts, and then like practical ways on how to like improve your boundaries. So she like has activities and prompts and stuff. So I really like it. So today we're diving into um, chapter six, which is how to communicate your boundaries. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for this. And one thing that I really like about also this book club is really giving ourselves the time to digest and have a conversation around it. So that's the really like the reason why we want to do the book club in parts. Typically book clubs meet once or so we really want to uh, surround this uh, book club series with conversations. So feel free to comment as we go along today. Um, even if you're not reading the book, like this is a conversational um, space. 
And if you're watching the replay, feel free to drop comments too. We love to read them and chat with you in the comments. Yes. So chapter six is identify, communicate your boundaries. Um, so yeah, she talks about the four types of communication styles, which I have heard of before the book, but I really like how she kind of dives deeper into it. Mm -hmm. well, I guess before we go into this week's content about communication, do we want to be brief on like last week and if we had any like reflections since then or like the homework? Or um, yeah. Um, I think last week after we identified the six type of boundaries, um, I actually um, was thinking a lot about the intellectual boundaries part. Mm -hmm. And what resonated with me with the intellectual boundaries is recently, like on social media, you see a lot of like information going on, especially particularly like um, today's holiday. Right. And so I thought it was really interesting how there was like this, these two parts of like people celebrating, people not celebrating and why and all the information. And so I just thought that was interesting. Like, what does it feel like to go on social media and like want to post a celebration, but feel like, you know, where's the boundary between like, like posting something and not knowing like the, all the information and then being inundated with all the information. So that was kind of like a conversation in my head. I'm like, Oh, I wonder like how this goes with like intellectual boundaries when it comes, when it comes to like knowing and not knowing, being informed, being ignorant, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, this week, I think my boundary was more of like, um, also just kind of going on self care. So just like, really taking time for myself and like still making space for like my reading, my journaling, um, alone time. Cause this past week I'd went to visit a friend in Philly or my friend Jada. She's a social sister. Um, so that was really fun. Um, but like, I also was like making time to read a little bit there and like on my train there and back, like, you know, doing some like reading and self care, like journaling, um, which helped me like, cause sometimes I feel like if I go on vacation, then like if I don't do self-care, then it's like hard when you come back and like try to get mm -hmm. back to routine. So recently, if I do like go out of town, I try to still have somewhat of like my soul care routine, like not the whole big thing, but parts of it that helped me. So I feel like I was practicing that kind of boundary of like still honoring myself, but also having fun and like being around people. Um, and mm. yeah, and I feel like I'll yeah, go ahead. Uh, I I'm I wanted to to piggyback that because I on Saturday all I did was it was my day off and for the first time in a long time um, I haven't had a full day off um, only because I do not create that boundary for myself so I did that and I actually drove to Irvine to hang out with one of my friends and I spent the whole day doing nothing but hanging out and when I got back home. I still didn't work. I like watch TV and I went to bed early. So I realized there's a benefit to like having a day off. And then when I need to work, I worked more concisely. Like before this live, I made sure to do uh, a task that I was trying to make myself do yesterday. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it on another day. And it's still fine. So I'm slowly like incorporating these boundaries for me around when I'm working and when I'm playing. Because with the pandemic, I like weave them together. And so now that I'm working again, I'm trying to find those boundaries between like when I'm working and when I'm playing. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially like, I guess with summertime. So I feel like many more people will probably have a little bit more free time. But it's like if you're so used to always like work, work, work or not really dedicating or prioritizing like space for rest and space for like intentional time with friends or family, I think. That can be challenging sometimes. Like I know I find that challenging sometimes. So I think that is good. Um, yeah, like I wasn't really on social media today because like, yeah, this day is not really that important to me specifically right now. So <laughs> I kind of like took a step back. So I'm not like inundated with that. So I guess that was a boundary I practiced too. That's like, okay, I don't really yeah. see anything. So I'm not really going to engage. Um, so yeah, it's so, like this book from our reflections has been coming up in our life, showing up, and we've been able to navigate it <laughs> and use yeah. some in the book to kind of help in some of these situations. For sure. Um, so do you want to start talking about these four 
unsuccessful ways to communicate our boundaries? <laughs> yes. So there's four different communication styles. Um, so the first one, uh, so we're starting in chapter six as well. So if you are reading along with this. Um, so the first one is passive. So a lot of people, if you're passive, um, that's going to be um, like not show, not sharing what your needs are and keeping them to yourself. So it's denying your needs, she says, ignoring them um, mm -hmm. to allow others to be comfortable. So if you're like, oh, I'm not comfortable. Um, but instead of speaking up, you don't do that. Um, so they're afraid of how others will perceive their needs and they do nothing to get their own needs met. So that's like having that fear, that doubt, maybe like uh, self-conscious of like how it's going to come off. And she says some examples of passiveness is having an issue but not saying anything, like I just mentioned, mm -hmm. allowing people to do and say things with which you would disagree. So I think that's interesting. And then mm -hmm. also ignoring things that are triggering to you. So it's like if people are doing something and you're not bringing it up, you're not mentioning it to them, um, you kind of just like sweep it under the rug, that's passive. And I think a lot of times I hear people and I have been um, passive in the past of just like not saying anything um, and just like assuming someone is going to like know that this thing is bothering you. Because I guess I think a lot of people, including myself, like I feel like people can read my mind or they should understand. Or your face. Yeah, like they should understand like why are you doing that? That's weird. Like this doesn't make any sense. But it's like I think the whole over underlying theme of this book is like if you don't share and like communicate your boundary, like no one will ever know and it's just gonna keep being violated. Like your boundary is gonna keep right. being violated. Yeah, I mean I'm like when I when I think about passive um, boundaries, I think about, you know, I can think about like parent child relationship, right? Like as a kid, like our, we can be passive because we can't, we know we can't say nothing. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, that, that that's the clearest example of like maybe expressing a, like communicating passively, like, because the first one having an issue, but not saying anything, but I guess that's not, yeah, that's the only example I can think of. Mm -hmm. right now yeah i think of also like passive is like if people if you have an issue but you don't bring it up but then like you talk to your friends about it so it's like it's not like you don't say anything because it doesn't bother you but it's like it's bothering you but you're not telling that specific person so a lot of times if you're venting sometimes i feel like right. that's a passive way if you don't after that take action like communicate but like I think sometimes you could just be like, oh, yeah, this thing is bothering me. And like you never tell that person because you feel like, oh, I got it off my chest. But it's just like, OK, well, the person still doesn't know that this. Right. Thing right. <laughs> well, that even goes into chapter seven when it talks about blurred lines. And when I think about mm -hmm. when you think about passive boundaries. So if you're passive with your boundaries, you might be a person that tends to gossip. Because you don't want to vent to the person, but you'll talk about the person behind their back. So that's a great way. Like, I feel like even though we're talking about chapter six, it's good to link the two. It's like, okay, so what actions would a passive person have? Well, is it that you don't talk about it or is it that you talk about it and like a next person so you can get your needs met? So I think that's a good point you brought up. Mm -hmm. So the passive is the first unsuccessful way. The second is aggressive, so people might be more aware of that, but um, that's uh, attacking another person with harsh, pushy, or demanding words and behaviors instead of stating what we want. Mm -hmm. um, and so when people are aggressive, they aren't considerate of how their behaviors affect others or make others mm -hmm. feel. And um, it could also be like verbal or behavior mm -hmm. insults um, or even assaulting someone um yeah that's what they said so some examples include demeaning others to make your point yelling name calling cursing um using the past to shame people being loud and wrong like making up uh like making up stories or like lying to make your point when mm -hmm. fact um confronting people to pick a fight that's when you already are like aggr aggressive and like instigating something and then right. using cynical humor to ridicule. So it's like when it crosses the line and it's not actually funny and like you have like malintention behind mm -hmm. the joke. Um, 
So I think with aggressive, especially when they say like the yelling, sometimes I feel like people think aggressive is really just like violence or like physical, but I think even yelling, like just raising your voice. I didn't think of that as like mm -hmm. aggressive before this. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I know in the past, sometimes I have yelled and I didn't really think of that as aggressive. I just felt like, oh, I need to like let out how I feel. Um, so that like came up for me reading like the aggressive communication style because I was like, oh, I might not be like harming people in like the words that I say, but it's just like the act of being loud can be not healthy. <laughs> right. Well, also I thought the one that stuck out to me is using the past to shame people. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's like, so if someone has already kind of like crossed the line, like and then you and you've addressed it, but you keep bringing it back. That's aggressive, and I I feel like a person like sometimes I will like I I'm a person that holds grudges, <laughs> or I'm working on not, but like just to be transparent. And so I feel like I don't think I've ever shamed like a person to their face, but like using a path. Like I feel like there's some kind of I feel like that is kind of aggressive though to like to to hold on to that is a form of aggression, even though it's not yelling or attacking the person. I think holding a grudge is an aggressive mm -hmm. form of communication. Yeah. That might have been going to passive aggressive. We'll, we'll talk about maybe that. Maybe it's passive aggressive. Yeah, maybe it is more passive aggressive. I guess it depends. Maybe it depends on how you're communicating it. Because I feel like sometimes people have grudges, but you don't say anything, but they're like, why are you acting weird? I feel like that's passive aggressive, which we'll talk about in a second. And I think aggressive is like holding a grudge and being like, now. Now, you know, I don't. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I think it could be both. But yeah, I definitely think, yeah, using past to shame people, pe I don't think that's something I would have thought of as aggressive. Like, I think it's hurtful, but I didn't mm -hmm. know it's like it could be under the category of aggressive. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then, so the next one's passive aggressive. So it blends the two we just covered. So um, that's when people act unconsciously. Um, and they don't usually know the reasons behind the behavior. So she says um, some examples are uh, not directly setting boundaries to avoid confrontation. Um, and an example, she says, is like I a quote is like, I will act out how I feel, but I'll deny how I feel. So mm -hmm. it's like you are like you said, holding a grudge. But someone's like, why have you been acting weird? And you're just like nothing's wrong. Like I'm fine. And she was like, okay, well, every time I ask you to hang out, you say, I can't, like, I don't want to see you. And it's just like, so something's up. Um, oh, like also she says like gossiping about things that you could fix. Mm -hmm. have no, no like intention on addressing. Yeah. So she says being indirect, which is counterproductive. And mm -hmm. so then passive aggressive, your needs are still unmet because you're not being direct. You're not communicating what you want. And so some examples are appearing upset, but refusing to admit it, making verbal attacks not related to the current situation. So if you're just like kind of like bringing that past stuff up again, and they're just like, this is unrelated. I can relate mm -hmm. to that happening. Being moody for no reason. Often. <laughs> often. Not like you can't have moves, but like, like often. Like, exactly. <laughs> bringing up issues from the past. See, so like it's similar to the mm. engaging in problem focused complaining. I like the specific specificity of that problem, problem focused, focused complaining. complaining. It's like, okay, you keep talking about these problems, but you're not talking about solutions or ways right. to this. And then, like you said, gossiping about things that you can fix with no intention of addressing. So it's like, so why are we talking about this? Like, can we get to the chase or can we just drop it? If you're not going to do anything, what's, what's the point of talking about something? And nothing's mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's passive aggressive. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people. More on this side. Been in and like personally and like hearing friends and stuff. I feel like a lot of us fall into like the passive aggressive because like, we feel something, we know it's not right, but we don't know how to communicate it. But we also don't want to like straight up be direct and hurt someone's feelings. So we're like, oh, I'll just act weird. I'll be in a mood often. So then she can get the hint that like, I don't want to hang out with her. I'm like, just say you don't want to hang out with her. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, these are these are unhealthy ways to communicate, y'all. It's bringing a lot bringing a lot up to me. So I want to. Yeah, I realize I used to be like passive. I feel like passive aggressive also is like what we call petty now. Petty right. is passive aggressive. Like if you're petty right. and holding on to like an issue from the past, and then if someone's like, "Hey, can I borrow this?" And you're just like, "Oh, every time you borrow this, like remember you don't do this," and but it's unrelated to this actual situation. I feel like that's where that comes in. But a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, I'm petty. I didn't know I have been petty. I'm trying to release that and let go mm-hmm. of that and unlearn. Right. I feel like that kind of falls in here. <laughs> this mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last unhealthy way to communicate is manipulation. manipulation. Yeah. So I think people are sort of familiar with that. But manip- manipulation is when someone does or says things they hope will cause the other person to feel guilty so then they'll do what the manipulator wants and that's all that's that already sounds like why would you do that but yeah doing that so um so it's like guilting so someone Mm -hmm. saying like i want to convince them to or i want to make them blah or persuade them to xyz those are forms of manipulation like if you're talking in that way the underlying thing is that you're trying to manipulate the situation in your favor yes um and uh it's a way to get your needs met um because you're convincing the person that like oh they should just give in to you because of whatever reason you're using to manipulate um and usually she says usually the person that's being manipulated doesn't know that they're being manipulated right confusing and it's a way to make them feel bad and then they usually give in to things that they ordinarily uh wouldn't do she says so that's also interesting because it's not like oh i don't see that's a firework if you heard that (laughs) i did hear that (laughs) it's probably gonna keep going off but um and then uh some examples of manipulation is making an issue you have with them seem like an issue with you. So gaslighting. So I know a lot of us have heard that term gaslighting. Um, so that's a form of manipulation. So if you're saying like, hey, like I don't appreciate when like you asked me to work late. Well, no one else has a problem with me. With Yeah. Why do you not want to work late? Everyone's working late at the office. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, you used to all the time. So like, mm-hmm. why didn't you ever bring that up before? So like, right. And then they put it on you. Like you should have brought it up before. And it's just like, wait, you should just not be asking me to work late. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's what the gaslighting is like making, like kind of flipping the situation to then make you feel bad when it wasn't actually like you, the root of the mm-hmm. issue. Another example is asking for help at the last minute and informing you that they have no other options. So if they're just like making an emergency, your own right. like, happens a lot in work settings too. And they're just like, I think, oh, but I think, I think people who are superior in work environments do this mm-hmm. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Cause they're just like, Oh, this deadline, like we need this report. So like, okay, can you get this done in like the next two hours? And you're just like, this is crazy. But they're just like, Oh, we need mm-hmm. it done. And who else is going to do it? Like, you know, this is really important. And it's just like, uh, but that's the manipulating situation when they probably should. This brings me. Them. This makes me think of my old roommate who, you know, when they oh, were sick, yes. when they were sick, were like, "I'm sick. I need to go to the hospital, and no one can take me." And so I ended up for a long period of time being a medical driver, a medical Uber driver, basically. So that was manipulation. I mean, my whole last experience with a roommate, this person was a manipulator. <laughs> No, yep, that person was definitely. I would. I co-signed that. And then also telling a story that's intended to evoke pity. So, like you said, the person was sick. <laughs> sick. I need help. No one's helping me. When they know that they don't need your help right now, or they could probably call someone else, but they want you to do this task. It's because I was the most convenient person to ask because I lived with this person. So if I was at home, I would, I automatically would say yes, because I'm home, even as if my time at home wasn't mine. And they probably also assume like, oh, this person, you keep saying yes. So the person's going to keep asking asking other people. Another critical part to the story to persuade you to support them. You're like, oh, so you weren't actually that sick. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is like literally just a play by play. And then the next withholding affection to get you to feel bad or change your behavior. 
So I see that. I feel like that's a lot of like relationships, relationships or like parent child dynamic of like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, no, like only if you do this, then like I'm going to treat you nice or all this stuff. Mm -hmm. What? And like the last example is using a relationship with them as a reason that you should do certain things. For example, wives should cook. You should see your mother every day. And I feel like that the expectation or the societal norms of things really does play a role in this manipulation thing. Just assume like everyone's doing it and like, that's the normal thing. So like, if you don't want to do it, you have a boundary Then people think it's wrong because usually a lot of people do. Yeah. Like with family stuff always, but we're family. We always do this. I'm like, I want to do that though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, with like relationships and like withholding affection, I feel like also manipulation could be like physical stuff of like buying gifts or doing nice things to then be like, hey, I did this nice thing. So then now when I ask for something and then you should just say yes. 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 This for you. Please note. Please note, y'all, that manipulation doesn't always happen with a person asking you. Sometimes manipulation comes after a big give. Or smaller action. Like maybe they're like always answering your calls or something, but then like, that's fine. If they choose to answer your calls, if you want advice or support, you know, or you need help doing something, but then they do that. But in the back of the mind, they do it because then when they have a quote unquote emergency, then they're going to be like, oh, you need to answer because I always answer when you have an issue. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, well, I happen to be free then. But right now I have a boundary that I can't, be free so I can't do this so yeah I think yeah manipulation can come in like gifts it can come in like doing quote-unquote nice things so I think especially in dating world I think honestly it's something that I feel like is kind of underlying toxic masculinity or right right and you don't realize you're and then sometimes what 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 we talk about the chivalry part of dating like I want someone to do these 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 things but sometimes a manipulator will use these normalized chivalrous actions to manipulate you into being a certain way or doing a certain thing. And I feel like that's where it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. And so I think it's important to understand how manipulation works in the setting of normal behaviors of giving a gift mm-hmm. or actually needing help. Yeah. I feel like also in manipulation, you can kind of tell the difference when like, if they always bring it up or if they bring it up then in like an argument or if you're trying to communicate a boundary, but then they like, Oh, but then I gave you this or like, Oh, let's it's say unrelated. it's unrelated. And they're just like bringing this stuff up. And yeah. So I feel like it is kind of challenging but for me. I'll just speak for myself, like in the dating realm of like trying to see like, okay, is this person being nice to me because they're just a sweet person or are they being nice because they want something or are they going to use this against me? Especially like, I don't know people want to pay for stuff. And like, I appreciate that. And I understand like some people really are just genuine about it, but I feel like, I guess from like past experiences, I'm just like, Oh my God, they're going to use this against me or, Oh, they're trying to like, like, what do you call that? Like, um, what do they say? They have a word for it when you're trying to like, prep someone I don't know groom, like, condition yeah groom like groom someone to where I'm like I'm used to this so then like eventually then they can like take it away and then you feel like oh my god like the punishment it was one of those other the aggressive like punishing right. you with something mm-hmm. and it's just so I feel like also they groom you to be conditioned so then if you aren't fought, obeying like whatever boundaries they have then they take it away as like a punishment and like it's an aggressive form I don't know exactly how to word that but yeah I feel like manipulators use this act of communicating in a way that like escalates like it's not right. even, like a one-time manipulation mm-hmm. like it usually like escalates and then it turns into like gaslighting and all the other stuff that we saw mm-hmm. and i yeah and i feel like the way the order they uh, the way nidra um introduces these unsuccessful ways of communicating is the level on which you and le- level which you uh can detect them i think seems like because passive and aggressive is easy but the second two are just they're more nuanced i feel yeah and i feel like there's just yeah a lot that's there (laughs) and um but yeah so i feel like it's 
interesting not interesting it's good it's helpful to know these four different ways of communicating because i feel like for me it helps put perspective i'm like okay these are unhealthy like this is why they're unhealthy because you know sometimes you like i feel like me i've sometimes i've fallen in a few of these different ways of communicating but now that i know that like it's not really healthy or like this is not the best way to communicate in general because mm-hmm. i'm still not getting my needs met like this mm-hmm. is almost you're just harming someone and like making someone feel bad when you're not even telling them how you feel um right so- and they all of these communication styles are self-centered they're centered around your experience and not considering the other person and i feel like that's what stuck out to me about all of them mm-hmm. yeah so definitely i really appreciated that she had like differentiated the different unsuccessful ways to communicate um and so, yeah, so if you're watching the live or if you're watching the replay, you can comment below if you feel like maybe your communication style has fallen under any of the four types of um, unsuccessful <laughs> communication techniques or ways. Um, and there's no judgment here. We, yeah. should, we have fallen oh, under some of the different ones, like passive aggressive, a little bit aggressive yeah. sometimes. Um, I think even not like maliciously, but I think sometimes even if you're good intention, it could be manipulation. If you're like, oh, I want to give someone this gift because like I want them to invite me to the birthday party. I think I also I also think manipulate. Okay, so part of what part of what Nija also says like when you have boundaries, it's easier to honor other people' boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing that. I don't have a history of having really strong boundaries. Yeah. I know I probably did a little bit of manipulation because I wanted to hear a yes because yeah. I always say yes. So there's no way that I I am free of any of these unsuccessful ways of communicating if I also did not have good boundaries. So for me, it's like I take full ownership. I probably did all four of these mm-hmm. at some point in my life. So it's it's now a matter of of moving forward and unlearning. And so, with that said, um, Nietzsche goes on to talk about the successful way to communicate, and she says, "Assertiveness is the way." Take it away, Tony. What is assertiveness? Be assertive. So, assertive um, is the healthiest way to communicate your boundaries. Um, and she says, in contrast to the four that we just discussed that are unhealthy, assertive. Um, is how you clearly and directly state your needs. And so it's communicating your feelings openly mm-hmm. without attacking others. Um, and it's not demanding either. Mm-hmm. And um, examples of assertiveness is saying no to anything you don't want to do. Period. Telling people, yeah. Telling people how you feel as a result of their behavior just clearly saying that. It's how you feel about it, not what they should do, just how you feel. Yes, and then sharing your honest thoughts about your experiences. Um, She also said responding in the moment. So it's the sort of just like, oh, this is happening. Okay, I'm going to share that now, not like holding it in. Um, Instead of talking to a third party, like we said about the gossiping, talking directly to the person that you have issues with. And then making your expectations clear up front instead of assuming people will figure them out. So that last one is something that yes. I struggle with sometimes. Because <laughs> I'm just like, they should know. Like, I know this. Why don't they know it? But it's like, okay, if you don't clearly say that. And, yeah, I think a lot of different relationships that I've had, like platonic, friendship, romantic like the expectations part is where I feel like the communication for me gets tricky because I expect something, but I don't communicate that with someone directly. So then if they have a different expectations, like we're on different pages. Um, so I feel like assertiveness really is that clear communication. Um, and I, I like that she also mentions responding in the moment. Um, I think that also takes a lot of like self-awareness to know that like, this is happening. This is how I feel. And to be able to articulate hmm. that in the moment. Right, right. Exactly. For instance, like say you're you're meeting up with a friend and they, they cancel on you, right? Saying like, hey, uh, thank you for letting me know. Next time, could it be possible that you let me know further or like, or next, you know, you can always, I feel like that's for me, like when it comes to like flaky friends, 
I tend to be on the, like, instead of telling them like, Hey, like it really bothers me that you're being flaky. I just stop making plans with this person. So I'm more passive with plans. If people don't plan the way I plan and the way I expect to be communicated with, I usually just drop off. We just don't hang no more. But with the assertiveness, um, I think it makes sense to be like, if when it happens, that person understands like how you want to then move forward with, with making plans. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, we'll make a plan to hang out said date. Please let me know. I'm going to check in with you the day before and make sure we're still good to go or blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, and I feel like, like what you said, to just be able to share it right away. And I feel like what stops many of us, what stops me sometimes, because, yeah, you get self-conscious or like, fearful of like oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings or like oh is it even a big deal to bring up but it's like okay if it bothers you I guess Nidra would just say just bring it up if it had bothered you or if you thought about it because it is good I think also to address things like as it's happening um so then people are aware um so it doesn't become this bigger thing that it doesn't have to be where there's like passive aggressiveness or it becomes aggressive because you held on to it for so long. I think that's also what's healthy is like, if you re- like talk about it in that moment, then like you kind of release it and you don't have this like weight on you mm-hmm. um, anymore. So yeah, I think obviously it's just really great um, examples of like why assertiveness is good. And then I think also she said, oh, the, telling people how you feel as a result of their behavior. So I think that's important, too, because sometimes it's not necessarily just saying, like, hey, can you do this? But also saying, like, this is how it made me feel. Um, and, like, I think a lot of people, if you go to therapy, they always say, like, you know, like, I feel statements, like, I statements. Um, and I think that's where this comes from. Of Like, if you're being assertive, like, I feel this or, like, when this had happened, this had made me feel xyz um i think that's helpful so then even if they say oh i can schedule earlier if they don't know like oh that makes me feel stressed because then i don't know if i should you know plan or if i should show up um i think that also kind of helps give the other person context as to like why it's important um because if you're just like oh like i just i mean i guess you could just say whatever but I think. I mean, because she also talks about like, you don't have to explain your boundaries. So there's a thin line for sure. Yeah. Well, I just meant like, I guess if it made you feel something like to just say it, not right. like, oh, hey, can you do this next time when it's like, if it really hurts you, <laughs> like to just be direct and be like, hey, mm. it's also good to clear that up because I think sometimes that's what makes it kind of fester into passive aggressive because there's those like emotions behind it. I think for me, I'm like, so I feel like I'm a passive aggressive, really, there's like these emotions rooted in it. It's never like, oh, I'm passive aggressive because like, I just, I don't know, it's like this type of thing in the back. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I appreciate, I I mean, I really, I think um, being more assertive is is definitely a goal of mine when it comes to um, communicating. Like, I love just the simple one, saying no to anything you don't want to do. So easy. No. Mm -hmm. Saying no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the day at work, they were like, "Oh, does any like did any of you performers want to hold the flag today?" I was like, "No, no, I didn't want to." They wanted us to like hold it. I was like, "That's not a part of the job description. It's just for today." No. And they're like, "Okay." Exactly. And they're just asking. I wasn't like, "How dare you?" It was like literally that simple. It was like, "No, mm-hmm. I don't." I don't want to hold that today. Yeah. Well, I think it's helpful with being assertive as well as that. Like when you are direct and clear, then I think people just understand. They're just like, okay, cool. Like I feel like when friends are direct with me about different things, like way the way they like their house or like how they want you to be in the house. Like how Nietzsche has the example a lot of like taking your shoes off in the house. Like when you come into her house and like our home growing up was like that. Like my apartment mm-hmm. is like that as well. Like, I expect people to take their shoes off when they come into my house. Um, And so I do, like, if I have new people over at the house, I have to be 
be like, oh, yeah, can you take your shoes off? Um, obviously, my shoes are by the front, so I feel like that's kind of sets the expectation. It's like all right. my shoes are right here, and I'm not walking further into the house, but I do have to assert that. And I feel like it usually goes well because the way I say it, it's just like, oh, yeah, in my house, like I prefer like no shoes like inside. And just being direct in that, even though it seems small, like neither talks about like it actually is a big deal. So especially if like it's home, someone's coming to your home, that's a like, really personal space. It's like your sanctuary. So I think also being clear and like how you expect people and like would like people to treat your home. And that could be all types of different things. Um, but I think that's important. And when I've gone to other people's houses, like I appreciate when they're assertive about it and not like, I don't know, I do something and then they want to like act weird or then they try to like fix whatever I'm doing. Like just tell me like, oh, can you actually put the dishes here or whatever versus like right. trying to like change how I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate that. So I, yeah, I think assertive clearly is the way to go. But I, even in my personal experiences, I feel like it's just the easiest way. <laughs> yeah. So, but now we're talking about like, Four way, like the, the four ways of communication and now the successful way to communicate, you're going to run into some difficult people while we, I mean, I just, you know, so she's, so Nija goes into talking about like the difficulty that we may face when we are now expressing these new boundaries. And I kind of wanted to sh uh, shed light on that. So we can talk about like what to expect when we are in this new chapter of expressing our boundaries and the one, 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 she has one, two, three, four, five. And so one, you might get pushback. They might ignore you saying, Hey, please don't wear shoes. They might say, they might say, Oh, I didn't hear you. Yeah. Uh, testing limits. They might try to, you know, test the waters and say like, oh, well, I'm, can I just walk to the back patio? I'm just walking to the back patio. I need to keep my shoes on. And then rationalizing and questioning like, oh, like, why do you even need me to wear shoes? Like your carpet's brown. I don't know. Just like, <laughs> and then defensiveness saying like, well, you don't, you don't take your shoes off in my house. Yeah. And then silent treatment. They just don't come over anymore. So those are that I'm just using that that simple example to kind of show you like the different and talk about the different um, uh, reactions we might get when expressing a boundary, mm -hmm. yeah. a new boundary yeah, too. A new boundary, exactly. Especially if this is something that maybe you hadn't communicated before and like we're more passive about or, you know, didn't come up and it's a new thing that you want to start implementing. I think that's especially when like pushback can happen when people are like, oh, you never had told me this before. But I think as everyone, we should try to just honor people's boundaries, whether or not they've done that before or asked that before, um, you know, just like a respect thing. Um, but she does give tips on how to successfully communicate a boundary. Um, so she says there's three steps. She claims they're easy. So if you follow this, <laughs> hopefully this can improve the way that you communicate with others for your boundaries. So she says step one, be clear. Mm -hmm. so do your best to be straightforward as possible. So like, so there's not as much room for people to push back or ask questions. Um, and she said also be mindful of your tone um, and try not to like, make i don't know like talking too big words or something that's not clear um like if you're saying like don't wear shoes in my house don't say like oh i love my house to be clean and dust free it's like okay, that's not that's, that's not, that's not that they're not gonna understand mm -hmm. um so yeah just being very clear step two directly state your need or your request or say no directly and don't just mention uh like i would like this um but just identify like, okay, can't like, I don't, okay, I'll give you some examples. Um, she said, example, a friend asks you to go to a party, but you don't want to go. She can say, thanks for the invite, but I'll sit this one out. So it's very like mm -hmm. forward. And after that, I feel like, they mm -hmm. can say, okay, thank you for letting me know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, step three is dealing with the discomfort that happens as a result of setting boundaries. Because um, she says you won't feel a lot of things because especially a lot of us haven't expressed boundaries before, haven't set boundaries. So we might feel guilty 
and all these other emotions that she shares too. Um, but she said, that's the hardest part is the discomfort. But I think through practice, like from in my experience, the more you practice and like set boundaries, the easier it gets. Um, right. So I appreciate that, that like, it's one of those, it's really just a practice, it's like a lot of things, like yoga is a practice, mindfulness is a practice. Yes. And it is a practice, like it's you right. continually doing it, you're continually getting more comfortable. There'll be other things that make you uncomfortable, but you just keep going through it and right. and unlearning. I just love how she also talks about not apologize, like never ever apologize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and don't, don't embellish your boundary with all these other things. Like, you know, if you don't want to do something, you don't want to do something. And I, and I am the type of person that if I can't go to something, I say, sorry, but I can't like, thank you for inviting me. I love that. Thank you for inviting me. But this time I'm going to sit out, like, thank you for the invite. But at that time I'm doing something else. Like, I like the thank you versus the sorry. And I used to be like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, that energy just welcomes guilt. It just welcomes guilt. You're already putting guilt in the energy of the response. So I feel like it's just even changing the language changes the energy, therefore change the reaction. And the assertiveness forms as a way to, to protect your interpersonal relationships versus like make this extra, this unneeded tension. Like if you say sorry, people automatically feel you're guilty of something. So only say sorry when a sorry is needed. Something to be sorry about. No, seriously, I have un started to unlearn that like two years ago or something. Like you don't have to say sorry for stuff. Like even if I'm running late, like I mean, unless I did something specific to that person, like if it's just like traffic or I don't know with work right. stuff instead of being like or even with like an email if you like kind of took longer to get <laughs> to it instead of being like oh so sorry like obviously sometimes you do need to say that but many times just being like oh like just write what you ever gonna write regardless like oh hey just seeing this or like just got a chance to reply you don't have to say that you could just say like whatever the response is to the right. email be correct um because I feel like a lot of times we're over apologizing for things that is not even actually our fault or especially like, I don't know. I feel like after pandemic, it's just like, why are we apologizing for like needing a mental health day or taking right. long to respond to an email or like a DM or something. It's just like, we all have lives. Like, and I think mm -hmm. at this point, I would hope that more people are understanding that we have lives, we have emotions, we have mental, emotional, physical health needs that go beyond work and stuff like that. So I think it is helpful to, like you said, Alyssa, just be assertive. And also people, if you're working, just like I'm taking a mental health day, not being like, oh, I'm so sorry that I need to take this time away from work. Like I'll help these people. Like also like I think setting boundaries. Another thing is like set boundaries and that's it. Not set boundaries and then be like, but I can do this instead. It's like, you're still overextending yourself and that's right. still honoring your boundaries so if you're like oh i want to take vacation like these are the days i'm going to take vacations instead of being like oh but then i could work extra when i get back it's like that's not really honoring the fact that you need that's to what i would do and that was a bad idea yeah. I just unreplenished i was like back i need another vacation now yeah so i think that's important too it's like really honoring your boundary as in like that is that and leave it and not try to you add don't owe anybody something boundary is not a trade yeah it's not like I'll give you this if you give me. It's like no trade backs, no no. What do you call no tradesy backs? Whatever. No, <laughs> <laughs> no return mm -hmm. policy on these. Backs. No, no, no. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that is so important. Um, and she says, uh, boundary statements also can include saying like, if you need help on wording stuff, like I want X Y Z blank. I need blank or I expect blank. So I think even if you're like in a situation where you're like, I don't know how to talk about this. I think those beginning of a phrase or beginning of a sentence can kind of help clarify, especially it has the I. So it's like, I want this, not like you need to not do this in my house. <laughs> you know, that sounds a little bit different. Like I need you to call me before you come to my house. I expect you to let me know, to ask me if I would even like your presence at my house. Like, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I need you to not come over unannounced. So I think <laughs> I'm just saying. Want to talk about it? <laughs> no, I'm just saying those are ways like you can use that sentence to like, it's about like, you know, I don't know. Not it's not that deep, Tony. It's not that deep. Um, yes, and then a big part of communicating boundaries, she says, also following up on your boundaries. So if you say like, I need to not work extra hours during the week, like I need to only work my allotted hours or designated hours, then to follow up with like not working beyond your work hours. Because if you say, Hey, my boundaries, I only work, you know nine to five, whatever, and then you keep working to 8 p.m., they're going to be like, okay, well, this, clearly it wasn't that big of a deal for her because she's right. working. So that's what she also says. It's like really following up. And then she mentions too, like if they don't change their behavior or change their actions. Restate. Restate. And that's, I think, sometimes where then the passive aggressive or the aggressive or the bad communication or unhealthy communication comes in is because like, you're like, oh, I said this one time and they keep doing this. It's like, okay, maybe they have to be reminded because she says a mm -hmm. lot of the time people are just so you know you get acclimated in like a routine of like oh this person always does this for me or we always do this together or this person always you know finishes up tasks mm -hmm. that everyone else kind of forgets about at work you know so it's like if there's that expectation then she's saying that it could be it could take longer for them to understand how to show up in this new boundary that you set so i think right. it's so Kind of showing grace and compassion for people too, not just yeah. like, hey, I stayed in my uh, expectation, and then like you should just automatically know how to act, and you should just yes change like this, like right can be gradual. Like obviously, in certain situations, some things you just really need to change immediately. But I think some of the stuff that gets rooted in this passive aggressive petty stuff is like we could probably just restate it a little bit or be more direct in how we stated it because maybe you thought that you were direct and the person didn't have an understanding they thought oh just no dirty shoes in the house but it's like no no any shoes okay like right shoes at all they're like oh it wasn't raining today you're like no it doesn't matter yes and that's why I like how she said like uh she she gave the five ways to communicate a boundary like the five different ways people do it it's like a passive person is gonna let it slide a passive aggressive person is going to act upset without clearly stating. She's just reviewing it. Aggressive is being rigid and flexible and manipulation is uh, co uh, coercively attempting to get your needs met. And then assertiveness is telling people exactly what you desire clearly mm -hmm. and firmly and never letting it slide. Yeah. I like how she comes back because it's a lot and she like reviews it. It's like, and yeah, here it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Um, there's, I'm just looking at it. I don't know why time always goes by so fast. I'm like, I feel like there's always so many things more we could talk about. Um, so we did not get to chapter well, seven. Unless we want to just quickly go. I feel, we I feel like when it comes to chapter, chapter seven, we can kind of quickly go through it because she's just talking about, she adds in like, uh like the blurred line part. So that's like the gossiping, um, like telling people how to live their lives. Like, so it's more about like blurred lines is like having boundaries, but then being so assertive that you assert your boundaries on others. So that that was nice that she paired like these two chapters together. And then she's like another part, like that's blurred lines is like instructing others what they should do. And shouldn't and like what they should they should and shouldn't do with intoleration tolerate in relationships, and then pushing values on others. So it's like you can have personal boundaries, but there's a reason why they're personal. They they are how you want to experience the world. But if someone else has a boundary that is different than yours, it's not our place to be like, girl, you shouldn't let him or her they do that to you, or I would never. You know, those are the kind of things that are not necessary those are when you're kind of blurring the lines of like putting your boundaries upon someone else and i thought that's very important because like as you know the unlearning of letting people you know violate your boundaries we have to be cognizant that not everybody is going to be in the same boat mm -hmm. or position so yeah. yeah she says in chapter seven like on page 122 she says 
the a fundamental boundary is learning to listen to others without offering advice. Yes, that quote is ticking right here. You can look at it as we talk about so it. True, and I feel like I have been in these situations too, where like you know you're listening, and you're just like offering advice or assuming someone wants advice. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important, and that has helped me in different relationships. Is just knowing that. I don't have to offer advice. Like I could just really just be listening. Um, and then she says a strategy to do that is to ask, um, like, do you want to just be heard right now? Mm -hmm. Do you want vent? Do you want empathy or do you want solutions? Right. So there's some questions that you can ask to kind of clarify with the person. So then you can have a, both of you can come to an agreement of what the boundary is. And then I think it's important for that too, because you can say, Hey, do you want someone to listen? I want some advice. And like, I want some advice. You can say, I don't feel comfortable giving advice, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I, it has to be, it's a conversation yeah. versus like not just asking, but also stating what you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or your capacity. Uh, I've had friends who are very great at sharing boundaries and asking boundaries. Ask me like if, before even starting a conversation, or even before calling, being like, hey, I'm, you know, want to talk about this XYZ thing. Like, do you have the capacity for that right now? Um, or like, do you have time? Um, another way people have asked is like, um, what else do they say? Yeah, like, uh, do you want to vent right now? Mm -hmm. Or um, is this something you're looking for feedback? So those are also some other like phrases or ways that you can um, ask to yeah. be more assertive, but also be more um, understanding of where that person might want you to show up. And I love this quote too. Setting boundaries are a way of preserving the relationship. So say like if you, you don't prefer to talk on the phone to your friends after 8 p.m., You'd be like, hey, friend, would love to chat with you. I'm just not available after 8 p.m. I feel like, like, like the quote before, like upsetting a, a, a boundary is will not disrupt a healthy relationship. So I think mm -hmm. that was something that like in the blurred lines of like, uh, think about like, yeah, setting boundaries is preserving. It is because you want to be in relation to this person. So that kind of gives me more confidence in stating what I need, especially when it comes to like people calling me. Cause I'm a type of person that people love to call people love. And like, for me, like it gets in the way of me being productive. So I've made a limit of like, when I answer the phone call, like I won't answer it. Like if someone's calling me, like I won't answer it. If I'm literally doing something, I used to just pick it up and it just knocks me off my, like my whole day. So, but that has not affected my relationships, I was doing that to myself. And I was like, Alyssa, you did not have to pick up the phone. No one ever got mad at you. Exactly. Or even just like texting them right back and being like, hey, like you right. don't have to. I meant like if someone, if you're, yeah. if you're a person who feels guilty for not picking up, right. just text and be like, hey, like I'm doing this right now. Like I do that sometimes with you. Like yes. Alyssa and I talk multiple times a day, every day. But there's sometimes when if I'm doing something, then like I would just not pick up or the times like I would, text and like, Hey, Hey, I'm doing this right now. Like I can call you later. So, um, cause I was like, Oh, I don't want her to think I'm like avoiding her. I just like, am doing something. So I think that does help. Um, and then you have another quote there sticking to your boundaries means creating new habits. So yeah, it's like a lot of times this really is just like creating a routine or a habit for yourself. So if, like Alyssa example, if you are a type to pick up the phone right away, a new habit could be like not picking up right away. And then you know, calling back when you're free and when you have the space to have that conversation. Um, right. Or even maybe if you just don't even want to have a call at all, just then text and be like, hey, can we actually text about this? Is that okay? And if they're mm -hmm. okay with it, then just having that conversation over text if you don't feel like it's something that you would like to have over the phone or vice versa. There's some things that I don't always feel comfortable texting about. So I'll be like, yeah. hey, can we actually talk mm -hmm. about this over the phone or can we meet up in person and talk about right. it? Um, so I've done that in that way too, where it's like, oh, this is not comfortable for me. Um, I would like a different communication style, media, medium. <laughs> um, that is like a boundary too, of like what you prefer to talk about on these different devices. Um, and I think the new habits also come in. 
the whole being assertive thing, I feel like that's mm-hmm. like a habit or in my head. I think of that as like a habit of like ask, uh, addressing things directly as it's happening um, and things like that. Yeah. So let us know. We've, we did get through two chapters. You kind of sped through chapter seven, but chapter seven was just talking about the same thing we've been talking about, just talking about how they, how boundaries can get blurred when it comes to like us starting to be more assertive in our boundaries and how to make sure to be cognizant that we're not pouring it on and projecting it onto others. Um, I wanted to share a journal prompt reflection. Um, And the question for y'all is, what is your biggest challenge with communicating your boundaries? Since we've talked about the different types of communication, I just thought it'd be great to like kind of reflect uh, with this question. So you can either um, comment uh, below and during the live or also in the um, in the replay. But Tony, um, I want to bounce this question to you. What is your biggest challenge with communicating your boundaries? I think a lot in the past and a little bit now is my biggest challenge is like the I assume that people just know that this like I I guess my assumption is that my expectations are the same as other people so I don't always communicate it right away or like when something's happening because in my head I'm thinking like oh they already know this so like I don't know why I have to restate it um, or even state it to begin with so that's my challenge is like just directly addressing it to just put that on the radar, I guess, of like, this is my um, boundary. Um, And then on top of that, another thing she mentions in chapter seven is like accepting and letting go. And I think that's something I've had challenges with is like really just accepting like, okay, maybe this person isn't able to honor my boundary. And maybe I have to make changes and not have this person in my life in that way if they're not gonna respect and honor my boundary. Because also I've had a challenge of like, if it's not working, I just think like they are eventually going to change and like honor the boundary when she's saying like sometimes it's just not going to be for you or for that person. And that's OK, too. Yeah, like I, I really appreciated the the OK with like letting go. And um, this is not this is something that I actually watched. I forgot her name. She's also um a person we love to follow on Instagram, but she talked about um, friendship breakups. Yes. And my biggest challenge with communicating boundaries sometimes is the breakup is the, you know what, this is not going to work out. Yeah. You know, so that's my biggest challenge is like not necessarily communicating a boundary with the relationship I would like to preserve, but actually communicating a boundary with the relationship I no longer want to be in relation to this person. That is where I have the biggest challenge. And I, I, to be, to be, to be continued because I, to to be communicated. Yeah. (laughs) You better communicate. That's to be better. Yeah. Better communicate. (laughs) <laughs> better communicate. So that's where I'm at with it. It's yeah. more of like, I feel like I'm after reading this book, I'm better at communicating my boundaries to like my friends and family and folks that I would like to be in relation with. It's just like these stragglies, these outliers that I'm just like, these are people that I just really would just love to just be, I would just love to just move on. And it's like not even, and that's the thing about boundaries too, has nothing to do with the emotions part. Like it's just like, this is just how I feel and this is what I want to do. And and I think for me, it's like getting myself to not apologize for wanting mm-hmm. to no longer be like friends or in close relations. So, I mean, I'm hoping this book is going to continue to help me get to this point where I know how to do that because, you know, that's, I feel like that's the biggest boundary that's hard to communicate is the breakup. Yeah, because I feel like that. that Whether it's with family, friends, or, you know, intimate. Yeah, it's, like, hard to communicate. Yeah, and if the emotions come up, you might assume they might act like this, so then there's, like, this self-doubt or, like, anxiousness to even bring up the conversation. So, yeah, I think that's really important. But, yeah, I feel like these last two chapters, six and seven, have really helped me get, like, an understanding of, like, how the different ways of communicating can affect people and how they can have affected me in past situations. Mm-hmm. So now moving forward, really communicating in general is just so important in all aspects of our lives. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and 
Yeah, so I feel like it's been really helpful. And I think then that kind of leads into the next few sections that we'll talk about in the next session. So our next session coming up, we'll be talking about um, like how are we honoring the boundaries in our lives, in our life. So how, you know, the different ways that we're um, making effort to communicate this to other people, how are we honoring boundaries for ourselves? Um, and then what does that kind of look like in the different mm-hmm. areas of our life? So if that's work, family, friends, romantic relationships, um, social media, mm-hmm. so how are you putting this into practice and what that can look like for you? And then some of the, you know, benefits um, and also something like challenges that come in the way of honoring your boundaries. Yeah, I'm excited for that part. And so we will be getting together again on July 18th. So get ready for that. And in the meantime, you will have 24 hours to uh, to watch the replay of uh, this week's uh, Soul Tree Hangout. Um, if you're a part of our Soul Tree Sanctuary, you will have access as you are a member to the Soul Tree Sanctuary. So if you want to join, please go to our web- website, soultreesisters.com. Um, also, if you want to continue to engage with us on social media during the week, um, you can follow us at Soul Tree Sisters. Yes. Thank you all for joining us for our third part of our book club series. It's been so great to discuss Set Boundaries, Find Peace with you all. And we've been loving your interactions. So we love the book. We love your interactions. Um, And so keep commenting if you watch the replay of like, you know, the different ways that you feel like you communicate your boundaries. What are some of the challenges that come up for you? Um, And then, yeah, so the next session we're hopefully finishing out the book so if you haven't caught up yet we'll be all the way to the end so definitely make time in your soul care routine to read um it will be really excited to catch up with you all next time yes bye have a good evening everyone